Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com where we break down our initial thoughts and the opening odds for NFL Week 14. We'll dish out our best bets this week on Beat the Closing Number. Make sure to get a notification when that episode is released on Thursday or Friday, depending on when you're listening or watching us. And remember to give the video a thumbs up as well and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the lines releases a new sports betting video or leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. We are 31 and 16 after a two and two go around in week 13, Mo, with spreads and totals this season. And you were at the Packers Chiefs game. We both cashed on Packers plus six. I believe that number got to actually as low as four and a half at some shops before it was bet back up before kick, but the Packers not only cover, but win outright 27, 19. What was your experience at Lambeau? Like it was a interesting setup. I mean, you get there and like, you can literally park in a neighborhood, which is not a super usual thing for NFL stadiums. I don't think, uh, obviously I'm used to arrowhead. So, uh, that's just a big bowl in the middle of a concrete field. So, uh, Bills was a little bit like that when we went to that Bills game a couple years ago, but this is definitely on the next level. You're literally walking by people's houses and they've like converted their, uh, garages into like bars basically. And their and their yards into parking lots. So they're just like offering you basically a combo of you can park there and then come hang out and have a beer or whatever. <laughs> but we ended up parking in a neighborhood, walk up there. I would say overall game day experience, not on Arrowhead's level. Um, fans, not super loud, I would say. Uh, definitely multiple levels below Arrowhead in, in rowdiness and loudness. Uh, I, the only time I like really felt like it was a Green Bay home game was literally the Chiefs' last drive. That That was when they actually got a little bit loud and it was a little bit respectable. Uh, obviously a lot of history. So that was cool and uh pretty cool s- kind of setup they have outside the stadium. You can, uh, <laughs> you can go ice skating or go up on this big ramp and, and sled down a, a big snowy hill. <laughs> I mean, so that was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, just had a good time overall. So Mo's voice is either shot from screaming and bitching at the refs during that chief's last possession or from tailgating. I'm going to go, I'm going to lay the 300 Minus 300 on tailgating. Yeah, definitely from hanging out. Uh, wasn't too <laughs> upset until the last possession. Few possessions by both teams. That crew really lost the rope at the end. I mean, they basically got every call wrong for the final five minutes or whatever it was. So that was pretty embarrassing. But uh, overall, I thought Green Bay, this was like the first Chiefs loss where I thought they actually got outplayed. So I, I thought Green Bay deserved to win. They played a better game than the Chiefs. Yeah, Jordan Love was exceptional, and I know you want to criticize the refs. Definite DPI that was missed on Martez Valdez-Scantlin, even though he probably would have dropped it like the Eagles game. But then again, Mahomes got 15 yards, 15 free yards when the Packers pushed him when he was still in bounds. So. They gave that yards right back, though. They What should have been a dead play, they end up flagging Pacheco. Very he obvious he somebody. was down. Yeah. But but he <laughs> fl- punched somebody because they're playing a, what should have been a dead play. You're always going to... The player who comes back and retaliates is always going to get called for a personal foul or 
anything well, yeah, after I'm the play. I'm saying the situation, like he's getting blocked on a play that should have been already been blown dead much earlier than that. Very obvious okay. Rasheed was down. All right. Well, either way, maybe Pacheco can hold back his fist next but time. Yeah, but you're just you're you're always going to get tossed when you throw throw a punch like that. That's just instant. <laughs> exactly. So if you want to check out our bets for week 14 before we dive into the slate in real time, be sure to check out our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Also, College Basketball Betting Podcast, Outside Shots, the latest episode out with former college basketball odds maker Matt Metcalf. Be sure to check out that episode. A lot of interesting tidbits just on how to evaluate and value home court advantage in general, especially with these early season situational spots. But if you're looking to bet, NFL Week 14, be sure to use promo code The Lines. First time users at BetMGM Sportsbook can use that promo code, The Lines, one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. And remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. So we're kind of going to go out of order to begin this slate just because the most interesting game in Week 14, Mo, is Cowboys. Against the Eagles, Dallas up to a three and a half point favorite after sitting at two and a half minus two and a half on the look ahead line. The total is up four points from where it opened at on Sunday night, 52 and a half after it opened at 48 and a half. And Dallas failed to cover against Seattle on Thursday night. But we kind of touched on this on the first episode to beat the closing number last week, just because it was a Thursday night football game. And we typically veer away from those on our Thursday, Friday recording Potential look-ahead spot for Dallas. I thought that's kind of the way it played out, even though their defense was exposed. Geno Smith had a good game, but it seemed like it was kind of a flat spot for Dallas with the Eagles on deck. And then the Eagles really ran out of gas, as you alluded to in our second episode of the week on Beat the Closing Number, falling by 23 points to the Niners, getting outgained by 3.1 yards per play. And DeAndre Swift, to cap it off, left the game late with an undisclosed injury. So initial thoughts on a huge NFC East rematch that could very well help decide the division. Yeah, my initial thoughts was I kind of liked Dallas. I think you could get them minus two and a half last week. I'll have to double check. Yes, it It was two and a half. Yeah, you could have got a two and a half kind of kicking myself for not not buying in there. Now I'm getting a little bit iffier about it. I think it's just like where about where it should be. I, I can't decide if like three or three and a half is right. And that's kind of where the market's at sitting with some either three or three and a half. And you're just paying hefty juice if you're getting the good number basically on either side. So uh, I think that's right. But I, Dallas did not play a very good game. I mean, their defense was rough, man. I, at the same time, Gino made a lot of tough throws. So I will say... They probably got like 90th percentile Seahawks in that game, you know. So um, I've definitely thought I've been a little bit suspicious of Philadelphia for weeks. Obviously, that's why I hammered 49ers on the look ahead. So I think that result was probably about I mean, yeah, they dominated. But I definitely expected that to be within the range of reason in that spot. So I think Dallas could definitely win this and and it would be bad for me i i have eagles best record i think plus 800 so i could definitely use an eagles win i think i'm just gonna watch this one and see what happens but i would be tempted by the eagles at three and a half if it got to three and a half where the juice is like pretty flat i think the eagles would be pretty tempting at that point but 
I mean, they do. They have better receivers than than what Seattle's running out there, probably. And and those receivers, they kind of had their way with those Dallas DBs overall. You know, I mean, obviously DK is a monster, so you give him all the credit in the world. But they got some great receivers in their own right. You know, AJ Brown is basically a DK Metcalf clone, so. They're going to have their hands full. It seems like every Dallas game goes a million miles over right now. So it'll be interesting to see if some defense actually ends up getting played there. Well, probably not if the Eagles secondary continues to play the way it has. I know you mentioned Dallas and their defense didn't show up against Seattle. And I touched on that too. But Philly ranks 27th in EPA per play allowed overall this season. That's not skewed for any sort of sample size over any small stretch of games and by the way Dak Prescott tied with Brock Purdy atop the NFL MVP odds board around plus 300 plus 350 one or the other may be favored depending on which sports book you're looking at but I know you maybe see a little bit of value in Philly or if you're just going to watch this because you're rooting on the Eagles for the best record bet but I mean the look at line somewhat undervalued Dallas to me just from where I have the Cowboys in my power ratings and then the market giving the Cowboys even more of a bump above the key number on top of the fact that now Dallas is looking for revenge after that week nine loss in which they outgained the Eagles in yards per play. Also, you look at red zone efficiency, especially in the fourth quarter. Cowboys missed out on a ton of opportunities, including a two-point conversion that would have at least helped them push as I got Cowboys plus three and I mean, just all those Chances inside the 10-yard line for Dallas late in the fourth quarter. And also on a fourth down play or a third down play where the refs picked up a flag on what probably should have been a defensive holding or defensive pass interference. Just an odd game. And I'm not saying the Eagles are still going to be in a position where they've run out of gas. But I do think the motivational spot here for the Cowboys, not that this game needs any less for Philly, but the fact that Dallas is out for revenge and I have Dallas higher in my power ratings I don't necessarily see any value in Dallas, but I agree with you. I think the line is right. So Cowboys probably cover this number. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, just based on the defensive numbers and the defensive regression we've seen from Philly, especially in their secondary going back to last season. But I'm probably not going to bet the game. The only look I would give would be maybe try to shorten this Cowboys money line price by, and I don't typically recommend this, but maybe throw it in a parlay or something like that. I don't know if I'm going to do that. That's the only angle I would give out just to kind of cheapen the Cowboys to win the game outright at around minus 130 minus 140 but either way I'm not surprised the way the market is moving I know some betters maybe and those betters were probably betting the Eagles at plus three plus three and a half on Sunday or before kickoff earlier in the week against the 49ers and that didn't go too well so good luck to you if you want to bet the Eagles I would not recommend doing so any final thoughts on the game oh before we Move on to a disgusting game on Thursday Night Football. If anything, I would honestly maybe go the other way and uh, sell Dallas out a little bit. Maybe like a minus six and a half type of situation. Because in a game with a higher total like this, kind of similar to that last game, honestly, when over 50 points was scored, we did see Philly cover the spread. I mean, not nah, they wouldn't have covered six and a half, but... When the spread is high, the total is higher like this, and we think it's going to be maybe a more wide open game indoors, very strong offenses, questionable uh, secondaries. You know, we could just see Dallas win by a touchdown or whatever it is. When Philly, you know, is potentially playing catch up, especially 
we know Jalen Hurts does tend to make mistakes at times like that. And yeah, if I, if I was betting Dallas, I would maybe try to sell it out a little bit. But it's just a spot where, and you know, for for you, we both have kind of futures riding on this anyway, so we don't need to press anything. Especially you, you have your uh, you know divisional play, a lot of high leverage in this spot. So um, not like we need to force ourselves to make a bet here, especially when a game that's going to be entertaining to watch and on an island game in, in anyways, you know, we don't, it's not like we need a bet to even stomach this game, like maybe Jaguars Cincinnati tonight or whatever. Yeah, I'm not touching Monday Night Football probably this week or next week with the Titans and Dolphins and Giants Packers. Maybe we'll touch on an angle or two the more I dig into Giants Packers. But for right now, yeah, I'm staying away from this game. Like I mentioned, and the divisional bet that I have on the Cowboys around plus 190, plus 195 for the beginning of the season. And if you're looking at current NFC East odds, if you want to maybe just bet the Cowboys here to win the division versus betting Cowboys, either throw them in a money line parlay or an alternate spread, still around plus 330, plus 350 to win the division. So I don't hate that bet either. That's a decent angle too. I know you maybe weren't throwing that notion out there to bet the Cowboys to win the division. You were just mentioning my bet, but still worth a look to me if you would rather just get plus money and then some on Dallas to win the NFC East rather than bet the Cowboys in this particular matchup. But Mo, on to Thursday Night Football, Steelers and Patriots. You said the Cowboys-Eagles have a high total. This one has a total of 30, the lowest total in an NFL game since December 11th in 2005. That was Steelers-Bears, and the total pushed, whether you bet the over or under, Pittsburgh winning the game by 12, 21-9. Willie Parker led the Pittsburgh Steelers in receiving yards. Mo, I'm going to give you one guess on who led the Bears in receiving yards in that game. I got nothing. I cannot recall a Bears receiver from that time period. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Musa Muhammad, whether you went Bernard. If you had thrown up Bernard Barry, I would have given you some props. But Musa Muhammad put up, I think, 90-plus yards for the Bears. Kyle Orton was under center for Chicago. And that pretty much tells you all you need to know about why that total was as low as it was. Not that Rex Grossman would have provided any sort of a bump. But this total actually is also tied for the lowest total in the NFL since December 1993. And Mrs. Doubtfire was at the top of the box office that year, just for context. I would probably rather watch Mrs. Doubtfire than bet on this game, watch Thursday Night Football, have anything to do with Mitch Trubisky against a decent defense, and also have any stock in Bailey Zappi, even if you want to stomach a, a Patriots bet. The Patriots lost six zip to the Chargers on Sunday and didn't cover as four and a half point home dogs. As a result, the uh, Pats were actually plus six throughout the week. So you would have pushed. Not that that would have been any fun either to watch New England and your plus six bet wind up doing nothing for you after that watching might have an been egregious, the worst game of the year. Might have been the worst game in a long time in the NFL, especially considering what the Chargers have offensively. But over the last three games, New England ranks third in EPA per play or actually EPA per drive allowed and second in success rate allowed. And they haven't given up more than 10 points in a single game over that three-game stretch. They're the first team to accomplish the latter. So allowing fewer than 10 points in a single game over a three-game span since the 1938 Chicago Cardinals. So are you with me on watching Mrs. Dowfire over a Thursday Night Football now? 
I would say, yeah, I'm a fan of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Robin Williams. You'd rather watch an entertaining Robin Williams film than watch Mitch Trubisky lay six points like he did in a playoff game against Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champs in 2018, I think, when the Bears won the division. Matt Nagy was the Bears head coach. How do you feel about Matt Nagy as the Chiefs offensive coordinator and the way Patrick Mahomes and this offense has looked? Not that it isn't the Chiefs receiving core and what they have accomplished or lack thereof so far this season, leading the league in drops and Sky Moore seemingly quitting on his route against the Packers. But I digress. This is going to be a horrible game, and uh, there's no reason to bet this game, right? I don't know. Is there? I, I kind of want to like the Steelers, but, dude, I have to admit, I did a double take when I saw this total. I was like, no way is this right. I literally went to the I, – I, I was like, we have to have made a mistake here. 30 and a half? I don't know. I'm kind of tempted to honestly bet the over on principle too, but – I wonder if last week was like New England's last competitive gasp. Their defense did great work, and it just did not matter. I mean, they just don't have a functional passing offense. I mean, they have a bad quarterback, and in this spot, they have a bad quarterback who has absolutely no arm playing on the road against a solid defense. I don't know. I kind of feel like this line on, on like the quality of the teams should be higher, but at the same time, when the total is 30 and a half, and it's a bad quarterback on the other side, you just don't want to end up sitting there staring at the screen knowing you laid six, and the score is like 13 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and you just know you have no chance of covering barring like a defensive score. You know, like, I don't know. Pickett's a Trubisky, I don't think that can possibly matter, to be honest, as bad as Pickett has been. But honestly, both teams probably performed a bit better than their final scores this week indicated. Like you touched on, the Chargers did a fine, or the Patriots did a fine job on defense. And then, dude, the Steelers, I I was looking at that box score, and I just, I have no idea how they lost by double digits or whatever. I think that was 24 to 10. I, I don't know how they lost by double digits to the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals basically did not have a good game at all. So, um, I know they had the, the one turnover on downs on the one. That was obviously big. Those kind of things, you know, like you touched on with Dallas and, and the Philly game, that wasn't even on the one where they turned it over. That was literally like if the dude runs his route three inches farther into the end zone, Dallas scores a touchdown, and it's a completely different ball game probably. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they both are maybe a little better than they played this weekend, but... You just you can't lay six with a bad quarterback, but dude, the the Patriots team total is literally like eleven. Like this is disgusting. I mean, this is going to be a tough one to watch. Yeah, I'm not watching it. Maybe I'll bait myself into watching it by throwing some small bet on a team total, like you said, or something like that. We obviously don't have any sort of Iowa team total first half, and that one didn't hit. Sorry that you had to put yourself through that, Mo, against Michigan. Dude, when they Almost got to the 30-yard line, I was like, all yeah. right, we're good. Three half-back dives, kick a field goal. <laughs> I knew their field goal kicker was good because he hit like a 50-yarder or something against Nebraska at the buzzer, and he had like – it wasn't like a fluke. He had good numbers on the year. So I knew they had a good kicker. So I knew they were in field goal range if they just didn't do anything stupid. And, of course, you know, Big Ten West offense, they immediately did something stupid. So – 
unsurprising really but yeah this one will be tough if if i had if you made me bet this game i would probably bet over 30 and a half i mean these teams and these quarterbacks you can't trust them not to turn it over I mean, we could see some short fields here people don't think about that a lot of, with these totals and these bad quarterbacks i think bad quarterbacks automatically mean no points are going to be scored but we could see some turnovers and some short fields here and especially you have a guy like Bailey Zappi who he has no zip on the ball whatsoever and he's going to have TJ Watt bearing down on him. He's, I don't know, man, this Patriots offense, I put the Patriots 32 out of 32 on my power rank this week. They, they might be the worst team in the NFL. They, uh, this offense is as bad as it gets. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'll typically fill those out on Tuesdays, but once we get a Monday night result, I, have no interest in betting this game. I have no interest in one of the lowest offensive ceilings and lowest offensive floors in the NFL. And to your point, that could certainly lead to a defensive score or at least short field. So I am not betting this game and hopefully not going to put myself through watching a minute of it. But on to a game that actually provides some intrigue. The Ravens are seven-point home favorites against the Rams on an early afternoon game on Sunday. Down from the opener of Baltimore minus 7.5, total of 43.5. And And you have a potential bet on this one, Mo, against one of the best teams, at least record-wise, in the AFC and the NFL, for that matter, against a Rams team that is red hot, winning three straight. So what say you for this one? Yeah, I think rightfully so, you know, with the move. Um, And maybe... Still a sliver of value on the Ravens. Or I mean, the Rams potentially. Uh, still facing a Ravens team that has lost quite a bit of its offensive ceiling, I think, with their best pass catcher, I would say. I, I think definitely still their best pass catcher. Definitely their most reliable. Um, one of their critical red zone weapons in Mark Andrews. And hosting a Rams team that, like you said, is just really clicking on offense man i think this is legitimate i i I think this reminds me of green bay the market not adjusting to this green bay offense how much better they've looked and and the rams are clicking on offense as well i mean they just shredded the browns for 6.4 yards per play i know that the browns have some injuries you probably have miles garrett operating at like 70 percent or whatever he's playing at best but this is still a very good defense top to bottom and and the rams kind of did what they wanted and obviously they creamed the cardinals the week before they've they've came out of the bye just looking like the offense that McVay is capable of building you have puka nakua struggling a little bit with an injury and cooper cup maybe as well so that was kind of my hang up on the rams coming into this past week but they're still getting it done and this might come down to whether this Rams run defense can bottle up this Ravens running game because they are pretty weak. And Keaton Mitchell is a guy that I watch and I cannot believe he doesn't get more touches. I mean, that guy has real burst. And Keaton Mitchell might be the argument against ever using a draft pick on a running back. Like If you can just get that guy for free, why would you ever do it? Um... But the thing I always look at with the Rams is is just how much they're going to be able to protect Matt Stafford. I've talked about that multiple times this season. You know, he is pretty dreadful if you can get any sort of football athlete on defense in the vicinity of him since he can't move anymore. 
But you have a Baltimore defense that does not blitz, 27th in blitz rate, 24th in pressure rate. You know, they're not getting it done because of their winning up front. So I think the Rams can keep this one close. I know it's a long trip and coming off a couple of wins. Not usually a spot where you want to buy in, but still a pretty big line. Yeah, maybe the line's still a little bit inflated if you think the market hasn't adjusted to how good this L.A. offense has been. But when you take into account the opponents, Seattle, even though they outperformed the market's expectations against Dallas, still a team that maybe was fortunate for at least their first 10 games or so with their point differential in mind, I think plus one or plus two, something like that, just above par in point differential during their above 500 stretch to begin the season. The Cardinals, a banged up Browns team, like you mentioned, especially with Miles Garrett hurt on Sunday and how limited their offense can be, even with Joe Flacco kind of opening things up in the first half a little bit. Vintage Joe Flacco until he got into an ultra-negative game script. But then you factor in Baltimore coming off the bye. Maybe you get Marlon Humphrey back. I know you've said, and rightfully so to an extent, that the Ravens haven't necessarily faced the most difficult schedule. But when you look at defensive DVOA, which is adjusted for the opponent, still ranked number one across the NFL in that category, Obviously, a meaningful game for both teams with the Ravens fighting for the number one overall seed in the AFC playoff picture and the Rams fighting for a wild card spot in a really loaded wild card race. And now the Packers, I believe, have the number seven seed behind the Vikings, but maybe behind Seattle and then Minnesota. Either way, a lot of teams in the thick of it, in the hunt, as every analyst will say this time of year. And even after the Rams covered big against Cleveland after a big second half and really pulling away in the fourth quarter. I don't see a ton of value in this game. I'm not saying I would lay it with the Ravens, but probably stay away from me just because of a the cross country trip on top of the fact that the Ravens are coming off the bye and should be getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. And also with Stafford, he's actually been sacked the fewest second fewest times in the NFL this season and Baltimore leads the league in sacks. So huge matchup in the trenches uh, to the point that you brought up with how anemic Stafford can be when he does face pressure. But either way, doubt I'm going to have a bet on this one. But one game that I am looking towards, Mo, and a bet that I do have down already, I bet Chicago plus three and a half on Monday morning. The line is down to Bears plus three, even money. And this line actually opened up at Detroit minus five on Sunday night. And like I said, it's down to Lions minus three at most shops. But keep in mind that number is juice, total of 42 and a half. Detroit did cover against the Saints as four, four and a half point favorites with Olave playing. But then you factor in kind of like the Eagles to the point that I brought up with how exploitable the Eagles secondary is of late and really throughout the entire season. The Lions ranked number 30 in dropback success rate allowed. We saw what Justin Fields did against the Lions going back to week 11 when he finally came back from that thumb injury put up the 11th highest EPA per dropback plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking. The Bears covered thanks to Nate Davis kicking the ball essentially out of the end zone. Probably should have won the game outright if the Lions didn't score two touchdowns in the final three minutes of that game. And then you also think about that the Bears defense ranks sixth in EPA per play allowed since week nine. And a lot of that has to do with their much improved run defense, which correlates with getting Montez Sweat from the Commanders ahead of the trade deadline. And Jared Goff in cold weather, I know it may be a narrative to some people, but 
64% of his career picks and 75% of his fumbles have come outdoors. We saw it against the Ravens earlier in the year. He is a much different player in the Dome, putting up an efficient outing against the Saints in Week 13. But I feel pretty good about getting the Bears over the hook, and I would still consider the Bears at the key number of three, especially at even money. Any take on this one? Yeah, I'm surprised you like the Bears this much and surprised the market has been as hot for the Bears as it, as it has been this week, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm a little bit interested in the Lions at three, but that being said, I don't think it's a narrative for sure about Jared Goff playing outside. He lose a lot of, loses a lot of his effectiveness for sure, and I'm definitely with that. Uh, but at the same time, this line is telling me like the Bears are equal or better to the Saints? I that that can't be right, can it? I, I just don't think that's right. So I don't know. I, I think the market is maybe a little bit underrating this Lions team. That this offense is still elite. I mean, I, I don't understand why we're moving off the look ahead here when that game basically went to market expectation. Like the line was four, four and a half all week. They win by five. We saw what they did last time against Chicago. I mean I thought Chicago deserved a cover for sure, and that your bet was good. Uh, I just, at the same time, you know, Jared Goff threw multiple interceptions in that game. And when the chips were down and they needed to move the ball, I mean, they came to life and basically marched up and down the field against Chicago with ease. Still gained like almost six yards per play in that game. I feel like this line should be three and a half, to be honest. Uh, The Lions open like minus nine at home against the Bears, I think. So this is definitely a really big market turn against Detroit over the past month. I think rightfully so in some senses. Like I've always been suspicious of this defense. But this offense still deserves a lot of respect. And the Bears, they didn't look very good against the Vikings, man. I mean... Justin Fields, I, I don't know. The, obviously, the Vikings have like a pretty unique approach to defense. I just read that feature ESPN dropped about Flores last week. Really good article if anyone wants to go find it. That was that was a fun read. Um, and and yeah, they do some different things obviously than other teams and and bringing a lot more heat than most teams. Brian Flores, legendary for his blitz packages, right? And he's always been a great coach. So uh, a lot of respect for him, but. I do think this Lions offense maybe deserves a little bit more respect than the market's giving it, but it is scary definitely to take Justin, uh, Jared Goff uh, outdoors, especially in a place like Chicago. So I'll definitely be monitoring the weather in this one, write that article later today, and i am been revisiting my weather stuff at the end of the week. So that, that'll be something to monitor all week. And for anybody who wants to bet this game on either side, for sure. Yeah, be sure to check out that piece over at thelines.com. And again, if you want to get notifications when we place bets to try to get the best of the number, not that that always happens, but Bears plus three and a half was in our Discord channel earlier this morning. Again, the link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Just head over to the roll section to get notifications. I know you mentioned the opener in Lions-Bears going back to their first matchup in Week 11, but that was also with the uncertainty of Justin Fields coming back. I think it was bet down to as low as seven, seven and a half once Fields got confirmed that he was going to play. So injury baked into that number. And also, I think the market maybe is properly adjusting to this Lions defense and how bad it is, especially in the secondary. And Fields, while he wasn't necessarily that efficient under pressure against the Vikings, we also mentioned, I mean, 
Also, I don't know if the Lions are necessarily going to blitz as much as the Vikings did in that game. And we talked about this with the Packers last week and with the Bears going back to that matchup in Detroit ahead of the Week 11 game. The Bears had the fifth-ranked pass block win rate. So offensive line is performing a lot better. It's healthier than the beginning of the season for sure. Healthiest it's been and the most efficient it's been in Justin Fields' tenure in Chicago and matched up pretty well against the Lions going back to that Week 11 game outside of what could have been a disaster for Bears batters, including myself, if the ball was recovered in the end zone on the Bears' second-to-last offensive possession for a Lions defensive touchdown. Thank you again to Nate Davis for kicking the ball of the end zone. But, Mo, I feel good about the Bears getting above the key number of three. And like I said, maybe you try to wait on this if you want to get, try to get the Bears at the hook or better above the key number of three if you would rather not take Bears even money at a field goal. But I think the market's right here. And if, whether you want to say four or four and a half, not that that's necessarily a dead number with two-point conversions being up, but it's still at the key number three. It's not like we're looking at two and a half for anybody looking to take Chicago. So that's where I kind of disagree with you. But any closing thoughts on this one before we get to the finale of our five games here? I guess I would just say, yeah, I would be surprised if this somehow hit two and a half. I mean, I would have to bet Detroit at that point. But, um, yeah, this could be the lowest the Bears are going to be. So if you do want to bet the Bears, I kind of think it makes sense to maybe wait and see if it does go back to three and a half. We see some buyback at times in spots like this. So um, I don't think a ton of harm in waiting. On to the finale here for our opening odds here on the NFL Week 14 Early Edition episode to beat the closing number. Saints, five and a half point favorites against the Panthers at home. Total of 38. Carolina covering in Frank Reich's, or the Panthers' first game without Frank Reich yesterday against the Bucks, And the Saints falling to the Lions, as we mentioned, with Detroit winning the game by five. Spread closed four, four and a half. So Lions just covering, albeit with the Saints getting a late score. And maybe New Orleans deserving of a cover, but Detroit still exploiting that Saints defense, which I still think you can make the argument that the Bears could be power rated ahead of the Saints. I know you mentioned that with in regards to the Lions-Bears game, but there's maybe an argument to be made there with the upgrade the Bears have played at, at least to the market's expectations on the defensive side of the ball and with the way the Saints were exploited in that regard yesterday. And going back to the first time these teams have played, Going back to week two, the Panthers needing a backdoor push in some cases with the game closing three. I think it was three and a half at some point throughout uh, ahead of the week two game. But either way, any potential bets for you on this one, Mo? Yeah, I think I hit my Panthers on that one. So that was quite fortunate. Uh, I, I mean, with what you're saying, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's it's lunacy for sure. As far as the Bears comparing them to the Saints. I think I both I have them both like between 20 and 26 or something. Like, I don't have them that far apart. I just think it's hard to say the Saints aren't a better team than the Bears. I mean, maybe I'm just too... And I've been higher than the Bears. On the Bears than most, I think, all season. So... Well, probably since the middle of the season. I've always been a Justin Fields guy, but yeah, the, the Saints are obviously not performing well. I mean, I'm curious to see where the line move goes on this one. So that's why I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm betting the Saints right now because I'm definitely not. But what are they going to do with this game? And what's the market going to do with this game? Like, are they going to steam this one down to minus three again like they did 
with the Buccaneers. I think these are similar teams, so that would make some sense to me from a market standpoint. But at the same time, you have the Buccaneers, you know, up 11 late in the game, pretty much dominating the Panthers, and they get the backdoor cover. I'm happy for you. You know, I didn't have any money on that game, but uh, or actually, I think I did. I did take a little Bucks minus three late, so I ended up pushing on that, but. Um, if they'd steam this down to minus three again, I, I'm just going to keep fading the Panthers at, at cheap prices. I think, I mean, the Panthers are dreadful. They are, I know I said I got the Pats 32 out of 32. Uh, Panthers aren't very far ahead of that. So, you know, it seems hard to imagine with a bad quarterback in a tough environment in new Orleans, you know, I, I'm happy to bet bad quarterbacks at home. I'm not happy to bet bad quarterbacks on the road. I'm much more skeptical that they can get it done. And this Saints team, I am curious to see where the injuries go, though. I will say that. So not a spot where I'm super excited to fire right now because just to look across some of these names, I mean, you have Rashid Shahid, which I, I know this sounds like, why are we capping for Rashid Shahid? But he's, like, actually good. And you have a, a Saints offense that is desperate for any sort of target, especially somebody who can win down the field, which is basically his specialty. You know, they, they, they can use him stretching the field. They can use him making plays and, and multiple key defenders. We touched on Lattimore on IR, I believe. And Cameron Jordan did play, actually. I was surprised. I don't think he practiced all week. He ended up playing Marcus May, linebacker Werner I mean they are missing a lot of people so I kind of think if Saints are anything close to their normal selves this should be close to a touchdown but you also have the most key injury at all maybe which is just is Derek Carr gonna keep being a lunatic and trying to play trying to play hurt because last time we saw him go out there and play hurt they got wrecked by the Vikings I mean wrecked they were down like 20 in the first half or whatever it was so now I'm seeing, like, not only did he go out of the game, he went out of the game with multiple injuries, like shoulder, back, and a concussion. I mean, he tried to push it too hard last time and come back too early, and I think it cost the team. So, like, just let Jameis Winston play. If somebody says, hey, Jameis Winston's going, yeah, I'm probably ready to fire if I can get a cheap price on, on the Saints. Yeah, I'm not sure why Derek Carr is starting quarterback in the NFL, but the market would— Probably certainly like it if anybody's looking about the Panthers. I'm not advocating to back Carolina, but to your point, I think this is more so of a reasonable wager if Winston does start for the Saints. And going back to the Panthers play calling yesterday against the Bucs, I, I know Tampa Bay outplayed them for chunks of the game, but Carolina needing one yard on a third and short and then a fourth and short on their final offensive possession Still in their own territory, but having a shot to at least tie the game or win the game outright down the stretch late in the fourth quarter and back-to-back 20-yard pass attempts. So clearly no upgrade with the play calling, even without Frank Reich, the aging and should be retired Frank Reich at this point. Hopefully he doesn't join an NFL staff for the foreseeable future, but the last of the Bryce Young 20-yard pass attempts going for a Winfield pick game ceiling pick so yeah I don't blame you for looking at the Saints here the easiest strength the schedule in the NFL so maybe that kind of negates their point differential being the only team in the green among any NFC South team but they're also somehow we say it every year it's a crapshoot in the NFC South for the worst 
case scenario, and that's because the Saints are at five and seven and only a game back of first place in the division behind the Atlanta Falcons, who have a huge game against the Bucs. Both teams out of the Saints in the NFC South standing. So good luck if you want to bet the Saints. I have no need to touch this game, kind of like Patriots and Steelers. I will say, if it was between the two games, I would have to watch Saints and Panthers. But good luck to you, man, if you want to touch this game from a betting standpoint. Yeah, we'll see what happens with injuries. And, and like I said, the market uh so hot for the Panthers last week. I mean, that was a pretty amazing line move. I was very surprised. I mean, you got a tremendous number with your five and a half, obviously, since that closed three. Um, and yeah, I, I took the good number too. It just didn't work out for me. But um, at the same time, not a disaster when, when you end up with the push. But targeting Jonathan Mingo multiple times down the field and just, dude, it's it's very, very ugly over there right now. And, and you have a Saints team that I know they've been rough and they've been not performing to their talent level, but they they still have a way better team top to bottom than the Panthers do. Good luck if you want to bat it, even at a better number. I have no interest in this disgusting NFC South game. Like I said, not as disgusting as Thursday Night Football, but pretty damn close. So, Mo, just to wrap here, I have a bet on the Bears already at plus three and a half. Handicap that one for anybody that scrolls to the back end of the podcast just to get the bat so you can scroll and listen to the actual handicap of the Lions Bears game but anything on Rams here before we before we get to our Thursday episode do you think you're going to play this before the line maybe moves below the key number of 7 if it does yeah i think grabbing some Ram, uh Rams right now makes sense just in case it it drops below 7 at that point i would kind of be losing some interest i think maybe six six and a half could be uh, a fair line especially with like you said the ravens in just a really nice spot so you really just want a good number when you're fading a really good spot like this and if you want to get in on the action and get a promo code on top of it first time users with betmgm sportsbook can use promo code the lines one word to get up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets that's the lines one word and again, bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. As always, terms and conditions apply. More details over at thelines.com. Hopefully, you've been tailing us on our bets. With Mo and I going at 31 and 16, 2 and 2 in week 14, but or week 13. But really solid start to the year, or year in general, with spreads and totals. So good luck to us with our early week bets and good luck to you as well make sure to check out our discord channel to get our bets in real time for mo and for myself eli herskovich thanks for watching and listening to another edition of beat the closing number so long everybody